Hashtag SAFM Facts of Faith. For those of you who don't understand, I want you to be fully aware, and this is readily available on almost all the media outlets out there, the story of uh, the Dalai Lama sticking out his tongue and then saying to a child, a child, a child must suck his tongue. I want to read this to you so that you understand exactly what I'm talking about. The headline in this particular story reads, my and my sentences beg your pardon I'm reading something else now there we go the Dalai Lama is facing backlash for kissing a child on the lips and then asking the same child quote unquote to suck his tongue at an event in northern India in the video which is also available on the world wide web the young boy can be seen approaching the Nobel Peace Prize winner before asking, quote-unquote, can I hug you? Now, that's the boy. The 87-year-old spiritual leader then invites the boy on stage and points to his cheek and says, first, here, prompting the boy to give him a hug and a kiss. The Dalai Lama then points to his lips and says, then I think finally here also, close quote. He then pulls the boy's chin and kisses him on the mouth and suck my tongue, quote unquote. He says after a few seconds, poking his tongue out. It's a cringeworthy video, but later I must say, to be fair, there was an apology issued to clarify what the Dalai Lama meant. But for us to understand, we need we needed someone who's going to give us some perspective and this is proper perspective because from us as members of the media, we'll tell you what happened, but our rep will give us actual insight. We do have Ngodup Dorji represents the Office of Tibet in South Africa. Ngodup Dorji, good evening to you and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Okay, good evening. Thank you so much for the opportunity to say something about this you you heard the, the the media perspective and that is a very rough sketch of what happened but would like to give you the opportunity to tell us in your words and your understanding what really happened okay thank you so much this so uh, the last few days this has this issue has been become very sensational and uh, it has become viral but uh, what you're seeing is a, the viral, the video clip is a twisted and tailor met to, uh, to see this thing. But if you look at the whole video, and this, is, uh, this happens, everything, on, this whole issue happened on the 28th of February, 2000, and a public event. Can you imagine public event with all the media, media contingent and uh, His Holiness was uh, 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 asked to uh, speak to the uh, a college graduate, 120 college graduate in the open media event, public event. And <clears throat> so uh, after that, 
this was there was nothing, no reaction has been come, and this has now the uh, why is this has have surfaced now? So this is one question. If this is truly what you see at the video, on the video, the white cliff, then there should have been a reaction immediately. But why this is after eight, uh, eight, eight weeks? So this is a big question. So, but anybody, you know, this is a public event and there has been, it is a little bit is not politically correct or you can in a bad test. But uh, the veto has been done in such a way so that the whole thing was not uh, able to see by the people, you know. So uh, from the Tibetan perspective, there's, uh, uh, His Holiness uh, has said that, uh, I mean, uh, he has, in fact, uh, what didn't, he didn't mean what he was saying, you know. I mean, you have to see the whole video. So... Uh, what I'm saying is that His Holiness, 87-year-old monk, celibate, the whole life he has stayed there. And for the past 87, his, his character, his behavior has been impeccable. And there has never been any uh, instances of predator behavior. So how you can say how you can sort of a, uh, give this kind of insinuation, accusation for an old man, 87 years old, who okay. has been keeping things all the time? How you can, and this is actually the projection of our mind, you know, our mindset. We actually sexualize everything. Okay. From the Tibetan perspective, there is nothing sexual in this. This is a grand, further, fatherly sort of a pack on the boy, you know, because it is not, a, uh, the boy has requested for that. And it was in front of the mother and mother who was standing beside that, you know. Okay. So, yes. so let me ask you this question. Did His Holiness ask the boy to kiss him in the mouth and then suck his tongue? No, no. They actually, the boy has asked, can I hug you? And His Holiness actually my question was about uh, the kissing, sir. I understand the hug part. We all have reported yeah. that part. Okay. My question is, did His Holiness, then after the boy requested for a hug, did His Holiness say, first kiss me in the cheek, then the mouth, then suck my tongue? Did that happen? He, uh, definitely. Uh, he, uh, there was sort of a... But uh he uh the boy actually uh uh kiss his holiness on the cheek okay okay that is one thing but his holiness uh, forgive he me sir i did said, i did not hear your answer is that a yes his holiness did say this uh what what did he say did his holiness ask the child to first yes. kiss him in the cheek then in the mouth and then suck his tongue. Did His Holiness say that? I think he has... Uh, I didn't know because the boy has asked, can, can I hug His Holiness? Yes, okay, hug, then, hug. Uh, that part is, hug. is clarified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that part of and the okay, hug is, then, is foregone. It's, it, everyone knows that part. 
What I'm asking you to confirm is whether the part of His Holiness did happen. The boy and the family and the media have reported that the boy did request for a hug. Yes, but yes. the boy did not request for a kiss or to suck the tongue. I'm asking now, did His Holiness ask the boy to first kiss his cheek, then his mouth, then suck his tongue? Did that happen? The boy has actually, uh, they hugged, and then he, uh, the, His Holiness uh, gave a peck on, the, uh, the, uh, on His Holiness. That's why, no. Then he was finished. That was finished. Uh, that so was the ho- finished. His Holiness never ask asked the boy. Holiness. His Holiness never asked the boy to suck his tongue. Yeah, this is w- one interpretation. I, if I say yes, but see that uh, in the Tibetan custom, uh, the, now this mis- misinterpretation. When I say it, again, you will interpret. When His Holiness see in the Tibetan custom, sucking. In the uh, sucking, uh, sucking leaf, or you can uh, eating eating the leaf. That's always done in the family, you know. In the so family, he, I understand, sir. But right yeah. now, His Holiness is not related to the boy in question. Mm-hmm. I'm asking now: Did His Holiness solicit yes. the sucking of his tongue by a boy he's not related to? Yeah. So I'm saying is that this is uh, this is sort of in the bad test. He must have uh, I, uh, he must have actually expressed in that way, but uh, it didn't mean anything. You know that we should not sexualize that. You know uh, that is at, at this idea. point, sir. We're not talking about the nature of the mm. kissing. We're talking about the event of the kissing. I understand you might want to steer yeah. clear of sexualizing it. And at this point, I'm not even sexualizing it. I'm asking you of the event. Did it happen? Am I understanding you well? You're saying it did happen? Yeah, I mean, that you, you look at the uh, video, you know. Yes, uh, I saw the video, there sir. There was conversation. There was conversation. Unfortunately, in the video, uh, sir, so we, don't hear, we, don't, we don't hear the conversation. We only see that what has been captured by Reuters and all the other media houses that were there. So we don't have the audio, but we do have what, what what came out of His Holiness's Twitter account, where he apologized for it having happened. So according to His Holiness and the account that is attributed to him, the Dalai Lama, he does admit it happened and he apologizes for it. Does that reflect His Holiness's position that he did ask the boy for a, for a kiss in the lips and also asked the boy to suck his tongue, but apologizes that? I, uh, I wouldn't say that he's always admitted that because his holiness has said that if if it may have had the feeling that's what if it may he has he hasn't got i'm uh, i'm sorry for that you know he has stated that if it actually there should be no actually uh, we are saying that there should be no uh sort of a um Sort of apology should be because there was nothing wrong done in that. But anyway, but whatever his uh, apology. For, n- for, for now, sir, what, we're not suggesting uh, any judgment should be cast. We're simply refor- reporting yeah, 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 the yeah. facts. Did that happen? That's that's all I'm asking for right now, sir. Are you suggesting that His Holiness did not apologize because all media houses have reported that His Holiness did apologize? Are you saying His Holiness did not apologize? 
he's always has stated that if it has had uh, because uh, had the feeling of uh, anybody, uh, then he says apologies. Let me read yes. it from his Twitter account, sir, so that mm-hmm. everyone who may not have Twitter can understand. Mm-hmm. This is yes. at Dalai Lama, and this is what it reads. A video clip has been circulating that shows a recent meeting where a young boy asked His Holiness the Dalai Lama if he could give him a hug. His Holiness wishes to apologize to the boy and his family, as well as his many friends across the world, for the hurt his words may have caused. His Holiness often teases people he meets in an innocent and playful way, even in public and before cameras, he regrets the incident. Full stop. This is from his Twitter account. Are you suggesting this is not His Holiness who's saying he apologizes for his words? Uh, yeah, that, uh, that I think uh, uh, with his, uh, with his uh, uh, consent that uh, apologies were given, but but you must say that you must understand that if it has had, it if it has it may have had the feeling of the boy and the family, then he okay. has, um, yeah, that is the key. All right, thank you very much, sir. Appreciate your time. Really appreciate you coming through. Talk to us. That was Ngodup Dorji. He represents the office of Tibet in South Africa, giving us the perspective of the Tibetan monk, uh, His Holiness the Dalai Lama. So we move on to our next segment, and this time around we're talking about, I believe, different authors write what they believe, and we have another author on the line. This time around we do have Utulele Nitanga. Utulele Nitanga has penned down a book titled Empowered, the trans or transmuting limiting beliefs into stepping stones to build the life I love. And wow, uh, it's a very interesting read. It reads like many of these self-help books that we take from other people from other countries. And this time around, it is from one of our own. Tule Ganga is a South African and she is a South African through and through who has quoted her love for literature to the extent that when she was writing the book she was questioning herself as an author brilliant brilliant read i would encourage you to get your book and read it for yourself and remember the idea behind this feature is to have all south african authors recognized as legitimate authors we don't just take people who have written out of tibet or the united kingdom or the united states as gospel south african authors are equally good at penning down books there. And this one is also signed personally for me, titled the Ohadeva Gosyam on Visagamand Hina Nguanya. Good evening to you and thank you very much for agreeing to Your talk to us. Your been placed on hold. Did she just put us on hold? Tule, are you there? Hi, hi, Naya. Yes, I'm here. Okay. I, I, I thought you put us on hold there. Thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. A beautiful piece of literature you have penned it down here. How long did it take for you to write this book? (laughs) 
Thank you. Thank you for the compliment. And it's such a privilege to be here and to talk to you and your listeners. It took me... Okay, so sitting down and planning the whole thing was actually from the beginning of two, uh, 2022, meaning from about January, and then it was published on the 11th of November of uh, 2022. So around about 11th, 12th months. Okay, all right. I, I was ask, yeah. I was asking that to myself as I was reading, trying to plot some of the events you were talking about and trying to figure them out in my mind. Uh, but then again, I thought I'll, I'll just ask you on air. A it's few a things. Just tell us what this book is about. It, its title is Empowered, but do just unpack it, just deconstruct it for us. Okay, great. Thank you, Naya. So, so the book is a journey. Your question about when did I start writing the book is really, really, really relevant because this is a journey from a time when I was a child to where I am today as an adult. It is a journey that shares um, us something that happens to us in general where when we grow up, we do experience what um, people will refer to as a childhood wound. Uh, which that then gets us to have an, you know, formulate some kind of a philosophy of how we interact with life. And then through the journey of life, as you may have read the book, I share steps that happened in my life that made me go through this journey of being a victim to standing up and being an empowered woman that is actually transmuting those experiences that I felt had formed those limiting beliefs so that I'm standing on tall on top of them now and building the type of life that I love. All right. Uh, there are things that you said in the book that I thought uh, perhaps um, yes. uh, we would need more time than just 15 yes. minutes because yes. um, uh, you need to unpack this in, in, in a longer process. But because it's a feature for just 15 to 20 minutes, we won't be able yes. to. But I need you to just explain. In your book, you, you vacillate between calling it uh, the, the universe and then the higher power, and then God, <laughs> the universe, the higher power, then God. And smack bang in the middle of the book, you say, God and the universe. I thought to myself, I need to get some clarity. This is facts of faith. <laughs> Which is it? A higher power? Is it God? Is it the universe? Friend, let me tell you this. To some people, when you say God, they have a picture of a big man with a beard. Okay. And they cannot relate the kindness of that being as their father is the ruler of the universe. Okay. So Tule theory, this is now Ganga et al, Tule and her followers. Yes. God is God. He is the creator. Other people will refer to him as the source. Other people will refer to him as the higher power, but it is still the same God. It's just how people choose to see him and relate to him. He's the creator. Yeah. The universe is a creation yes. from God. So, right? Yeah. So God creates the universe and you are part of the universe as a human being. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, somewhere in your book, you say God and the uni universe. I, I, I needed you to help me understand what were you referring to? Does the universe have power to do things just like God? Friend, they go, they, God has created his universe for your enjoyment and for your empowerment. Yes. And, I, 
and God whispers, divinely whispers to you and, and, you know, inspires you to want certain things. And his very creation will then litter things, which I call synchronicities in the book. Synchronicities, events, people, things, places, and whatever, which when they work together at your bidding, together with your father, they will help you create this wonderful life. So the universe itself is sent to do certain things for you, but the universe is not the creator. The creator is God. You co-create with God because God breathed his breath of life into you and said, go and dominate the world. Meaning he gave us dominion to use all these things that are in the universe for our embitterment and enjoyment and all that. So place it on the record. Who do you believe in? What? Which God are you referring to? <laughs> God the Father is my father. Does he have a name? Does your God have a name? Your call has been placed on hold. Please wait. Okay. Tule, are you there? Call has been placed on Tule? Tule, can you hear me? Tule? Yes, I can hear you. Okay. We got put on hold again there for a moment. Oh, um, so oh, does your I'm God sorry. have a name, Tule? My God is Yahweh. My God is, 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 is God, the creator of the universe. That's what okay. we call him. I'm okay. not closer with saying Ukamata because God is not closer. But he is the, the I am, the first one who was here and spoke everything else into existence. Okay. And yes, I, I would assume, therefore, that you believe in the Yahwistic document, which is called the Bible, correct? Yes, sir. I yeah. Do. So where did you get it from? This whole idea of the universe working with you and it's sent by God to do all these things. Where did you get it from, from your Bible? It, it is in, in the way that I was raised, my friend. Uh, I was raised to believe the story of creation. Okay. God created the world. He created actually the universe, not the world. He created the earth. He spoke everything into existence. And yeah. everything that, that is was spoken into existence by the Creator. Yeah. Right? And on, on this sixth day, he said, Let us uh, Tule, you, you, you're dipping in and out of audibility. I don't know if you're moving your device or your handset is shaking. I don't know. We're, we're okay. missing some of the things. Say that again. Go ahead. Okay. So that's it. That's now? it. That's it. Go ahead. Okay. Wonderful. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop getting excited. You've dipped again. You've dipped again. Okay. We have a problem with that line. It dips in and out. We're going to try and get it clearer because just now, just now, it was nice and audible and it then moved. Tule, can you hear me? Tule? Hi. Yes, I can hear you. There can you, you hear go. me now? I can. I can. Go ahead. Okay. So, you asked me which God I create, I believe in. Yeah, where, where, where in the Bible do you get this idea? Because um, I don't in know. In Genesis. It, in Genesis, in where? the story of creation. Okay, point it to me. Point it to me because I have the book of Genesis right in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> in the beginning, God created. Genesis, Genesis 1, verse 1. one. Yeah. yeah. Genesis 1, verse 1, and you go and you get to Genesis 2. And then, in fact, Genesis 1, he says, let us make man in our likeness. you the preacher. I'm not the preacher. I'm just the writer. But Genesis 1 has got that seven-day story of creation 
where he created in six days, and then on the seventh day he rested. And the last thing he created before he rested was a human being. My question he there, made, Tule, was on when you said God yeah. sent the universe to work with you with whatever it is that you want. Where did you get that from? I understand that oh. the universe is the creation of God. But yes, from your text, where do you get from that the universe, if you put things out in the universe, the universe will dish them back to you? Okay. Uh, yes, so and, in, and in your book, by the way, I want to put this out there. You say you yes. must be a gracious giver and a gracious receiver. A beautiful phrase yes, there. So all of that was lovely. But I just need to know where in your Bible okay. did you get that from? Okay. So when you said to me, to let Go have dominion over every living thing, every fish and whatever. Yeah. He is giving me the the right to go and create, utilizing what he has already put into existence for me. And for me, the universe is no different than everything else that God has created. It is here for me to have dominion over, to create whatever it is that I want about it. Because now I've just been made a little lower than the angels. Therefore, I have powers. To utilize what God has created for my, for my, you know, for my enjoyment, for my development, for my impact. All right, let's go to Genesis chapter one, verse twenty-seven and twenty-eight to get exactly what she's talking about, and yes, you, you'll get to understand my question too, Tule. Verse twenty-seven, okay. Genesis chapter one, verse twenty-seven reads: So God created people in His own image. Mm-hmm. God patterned them after Himself, male yeah. and female. He created them. Verse twenty-eight says. God blessed them and told them, multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Be masters over the fish and birds and all the animals. That's the NLT, the New Living Translation. Do you agree with the translation? I am 100% in sync with it. Now, that translation says absolutely nothing about the actions of the universe. You are the master of the universe or the creation. The universe or the creation does absolutely nothing. Where would you get it from that the universe reciprocates anything at any point? Now, you, you, you stand and you say to the universe, I need ABC because it exists, because all matter is already here. Where do you get if it from? I am given, if I am given dominion over it, I yeah. am going to be master over it, and I'm going to send it to go do things for me in the way that I want them done, because yeah. I have the power, I have the dominion. Where did you get that from? Where did you get it from that you can send things and the universe will respond? Because the verses here don't say anything of the ilk. <laughs> My interpretation of it Khadiwe, ah, is okay. I have the power to utilize this universe okay. to the best of my being because I have been given the power to master it, to make it do what I want it to do. Okay, let's move to another point. Yes. I, 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 that's a fair point. If you're saying it's your interpretation, I have all respect that. Let's go to yes, another part. Um, you tell yes. a story of your time as a seven, eight-year-old and you were rebellious against your mother and her new partner and uh, you were doing things even at school that would be so <laughs> rebellious and, uh, and you didn't like this. And now as you have grown, you have discovered that perhaps um, you may have viewed things in a childish way. Now you have a bigger view and blah, blah, blah. Just give us the narrative there and then I'll give you my question. Right. So here's what happens uh, in my year. When you're a youngster, in fact, you're starting it at teenagehood. It starts when you are, you know, from the age of eight going downwards. That's what your psychology will tell you. There are things that happen in your life that you don't understand and cannot explain. And when you cannot explain why I'm in this situation, you formulate your own albeit misguided, uh, you know, uh, principle and say, oh, well, my mom left me and went and got married because I wasn't good enough for her to stay around. 
And so you like, this was painful for me. This was an abandonment wound. We've got different types of wounds, right? Yes, yes. And I want to protect myself never to, to get that again. And you find a way. Others will become rebellious. Others will become people pleasers. Others will become controlling. All sorts of things that we are trying subconsciously to help ourselves to cope and make sure and, and protect ourselves. Now, when you get to the story of, of, of me being a teenager, there is that little, what do they call it, passive aggression, little bit that you see. Remember, my pattern, if you read the book, or my philosophy was I'm not good enough, and then I move to people-pleasing. So that people that I love don't leave me. I have to be the nicest girl. I must be the rule-following girl in the home, yes. the goody two-shoes and all that kind of thing. But that little wound is in there. And that little wound makes you, when you look at this, mom, oh, now you're here, now I'm older, and now you're making yourself nice, then you become a little bit passive-aggressive. That's the passive-aggression I was talking about yeah, in there. Yeah. Doing little things because my mom is held in high regard. She's a nurse, and dad is a teacher here at school. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to read. I'm not going to study so that they get embarrassed. Yes. Little things like that to try and get back at them. Then you go through the journey, and you realize what was happening. You get your awakening. If you look at Chapter 2, Chapter 2 of the book, give examples of things that helped me to really understand why were they having the patterns that I was having? Why were, that, why were they finding it difficult to say no when I needed to say no? Why did I want everybody else's validation and not validate my own self? Yeah. I was then able to track it back to that little girl who had the abandonment wound, wound who did not fix it. Here's and my question. Then. Thing, I'm yes, glad you, you've just narrated the part that I wanted you to. Now, in that very essence, you then say you have learned to forgive yourself. And to forgive yes. your parents. Yes. I couldn't understand. You're the one who was rebellious. You're the <laughs> one who needs re- to be forgiven for your rebellion. Why would you forgive yourself and forgive them? What did they do wrong? <laughs> now, yes. I am a little girl. If you read, follow the story. You're a big girl now. The, the one who's writing now, Tule, is a big girl. And it's a big girl that says, it's a big girl that says I've learned to forgive myself and forgive yes. them. And my question yes. is, why would you, as a big girl now... And yes. it, it, I'm not going to out your age, but you're over 40. You, you state that in your, in your book. You're over 40. <laughs> How does an over 40-year-old woman say, I'm learning to forgive myself and forgive them, and yet it is the child that did these things? You should say, I need to forgive that little girl that was doing bad things, misbehaving. Surely your parents my, did, my don't friend, need forgiveness. My friend, we're talking about a wounded little girl here. Okay. Who at age seven cannot even ask questions as to why are you doing ABC? If yeah. you read the book, there wasn't even a conversation with the little girl. Yeah. yeah. So the little girl then started doing, as I said, the people pleasing and then the little bit of passive aggression, rebellion there. For me to make peace with this, I have to start there. You are right. Forgive that little girl. But that little girl lives within me now. Okay. That little girl is not born. Did you ever go okay. to your mother before she passed away and say, Mom... I think I was a bad, bad little girl. <laughs> I was not a bad little girl. I was a wounded little girl. Okay, did you go to her and, and say that? Because elsewhere in your book, you talk about how hurt you were when your mother passed away and you felt you yes. could have done more, spent more time yeah. with her and all of that. In, in the time that you did have, when you decide yeah. you're going to take her to the zoo and all of those things, did you decide... I must sit her down and tell her, Mom, I was wounded. You say you never My got friend, the chance. Why didn't you? I never, got, I never got that opportunity. 
the, the, the following the patterns and really understanding what was going on with me yeah. happened at the time that I was actually in my 40s. Yeah. My mom passed when I was 39 years old, yeah. right? I was not in my 40s then. However, the patterns I had been ruling, if you, if you hear, if you read the story, my mom and I became very close again. Yeah. This was for me, oh gosh, I don't know what the English of Indabayabam Kozi is. Those, un, those unmentionables, those yes. things that you don't talk about, those yes. questions that you don't ask because it's inappropriate because culturally when your mother gets you, yeah. uh, has a baby out of wedlock, yes. you belong to your family, you don't yes. belong to your mother. That's right. You know? So we, we never got the opportunity to have that conversation. We had a relationship, a very close relationship as you would remember, but I never got the opportunity to confront the issue until she had passed. Okay, all right. My final question is found on page 53. This is chapter uh, 5, section 2, building an abundance mindset, eliminating a sense of lack, limitation, and scarcity. And the issue is right there in the second paragraph to the 54th page. I'm going to read it. It reads, have phrases like money doesn't grow on trees been a part of your growing up? How has the scripture, the love of money is the root of every evil, been drilled into you? In addition to money being scarce, not growing on trees, in brackets, desiring to have a lot of it, it can bring about a spiritual ambivalence because our understanding of this scripture and many others associate money or material wealth with evil and therefore you cannot love it. By the way... We refer, uh, beg your pardon, we, we repel what we don't love. So we yeah. are now sitting in a very strange reality. We want to have what which is deeply despised. I mean, who would invite the root of evil into their life? Yet money is the very thing you need for your daily subsistence. Talk about the greatest dichotomy of life. Now, my... <laughs> I was I was very bothered by that because you continue reading there, and I'm going to ask everyone to to read the whole book and get my my question there. Are you are you disputing that m- the love of money is the root of all evil? You seem to be you seem to be disputing it, and that's a Bible Frank, verse. Did you hear me say it's the greatest dichotomy of life? Yes. Why is it a dichotomy? It's obvious for you Bible readers that. If, if the Bible says so, so it's like that. It's not a dichotomy. It's obvious. One stream. <laughs> Thus saith the Lord. Oh, and by the way, you have to wake up every day and go make this money that you hate so much because it's the root of every evil. But the verse doesn't say that you should not work for it. It simply says you should not love it. I love money. Oh, my goodness. Did you just contradict I your Bible? I love money. I love money. Hello, Bible. I love money. Yo, yo. Because without money, I wouldn't even be speaking to you on this phone right now. Yeah. Without money, I wouldn't have been able to get the resources to write this book and to publish this book without money. So money makes my world go round. I love money, but I know that money is a gift from my father. And he gives me the brain to go and find the money to go and work and to come up with all sorts of projects that will help me get the money so that I can continue to share my message with the world. I don't need money. I love money. Oh. But I love my God more because I know the money comes from Him. You cannot love God and mammon or money in this case. That's what your Bible <laughs> says. <laughs> that's what your Bible says. You cannot love both. That's, that's why I'm not a Bible writer, my friend. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I apply the principles in the Bible. 
I know for sure that we use money as currency. If our currency was sheep or cattle or, 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 or buffalo, to be controversial, or whatever, I would love buffalo if they bring me the money to be able to write another book and produce another book and be able to talk to you on this show, without which I would not have been able to do any. However, I recognize exactly who gives it to me, who gives me the brain, gives me the brain to go and actually identify what is I, it I get I love that. the most. I get I need you to respond to Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 says, No one yeah. can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be no, devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve the God and money. I'm not serving money. I love money. Don't you love your children? How many boys do you have? Don't you love your boys? Yeah, I, I love all of my boys. Oh, please. So how can you have two masters? How can you have your boys and you have God? Because boys are not a master. The Bible doesn't call my boys a master, but they call money yeah, a master. Yeah, my money is not my master. My money is my currency to be able to... But in, Matthew, in, Matthew, in, Matthew in, 6, 24 says it's a master. Are you saying Matthew, <laughs> Matthew is it's wrong? It's not my master. No, no, no. It may be a master for other people. Money is not my master. But, Money but is Matthew currency. says that. Are you saying Matthew is wrong? He's, he's, he's no. drunk? <laughs> no. no, I would never say that about Matthew. Okay. Money is not my master. I love money. Okay, so that verse doesn't money. apply purely, to you. Purely for what it does for me. Okay. Only right. as a currency. If money came in the form of pens, I would love pens because they would be able to get me what I need. All right, I'm going to ask you now to, as we conclude our conversation today, to just read just a, a small excerpt from your book as we part ways. Go ahead. Ah, okay. All right. So, so, all right. So, I'm here to say that most, if not all of us, will experience the oil spill in our lifetime. We will experience an unpleasant event in our young life, which will lead us to formulate our own mostly misguided philosophy. However, when we do not know how to explain why this thing happened, we formulate our own uninformed conclusions as children. And once we know, okay, okay, albeit unknown to us, in most cases, we will find fault with ourselves and formulate a coping mechanism that will seek to protect us from ever experiencing that similar hurt. We then navigate the, our lives guided by this uninformed philosophy, using our coping mechanism, whether it is to stay detached, aloof, needy, people-pleasing, controlling, perfectionism, or any combination of these and more. Okay. All right. Yeah. Tule, thank you very much. Where do we get your book? Those people who would like to get the book, and I encourage everyone to get the book, where do we get them? Okay, so uh, we have the book on Amazon. We okay. have the book on Take a Lot. Okay. And if you go into my uh, 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 Tule Ganga, the Dream Builder Coach on Facebook, I can connect you with copies that I have here with me. Okay. Or you can find me as well uh, on my website. And your website yeah. is? My website is www.tulekanga.lifemasteryconsultant.com. Lovely. www.tule, T-H-U-L-E, Ganga. is spelled as G-C-A-N-G-A dot lifemasteryconsultant.com. Tule, yes. thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate you writing the thank book. Thank you, sir. Thank Are you, you writing any more books? <laughs> there is one in my head at the moment. Go for it. Go for it. Let us know as soon as you've published it. We'll, we'll talk about it as, as well. All right. 
appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you very Thank much. You appreciate you as well. Oh, That's okay. two minutes Thank now you. before nine. That's how we conclude our conversation with Utule. I'm going to try now and go swiftly to the voice notes, as many as I can play within two minutes. Go ahead, Sylvester.